you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Well, anyway, today we begin a new series called 10. Perfect Law, Perfect Love. It is not the 10 that you usually watch from the NCAA. No, not that 10. This one we're going to talk about the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments. Ooh, I can already hear people go, ooh. <laughs> the Ten Commandments may not be the most popular, <laughs> most popular topic in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament. But just to give you a little overview of the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments is really a summary of the laws that God gave to the people of Israel in the Old Testament. You will find it in the book of Exodus and in the book of Deuteronomy. That's where you will find it. It is a summary because among the 600-some laws that God gave to the children of Israel, only the 10 was audibly heard by the whole congregation. And it was only the 10 that God himself wrote with his own finger in the tablets of stone. Before iPad ever came out, God already had a tablet. A tablet one and a tablet two. (laughs) Thank you for that laugh. The first tablet, Moses broke. It needed more research. No. So this is what we're going to be going through. Ten, perfect law and perfect love. So the, the objective of this series is this. That hopefully, at the end of this series, we will have a clearer a clearer lens of God's love for His people as expressed in the giving of His commandments, leading to a life of obedience to Him. So are you ready? Let's go jump on. Let's just go start with a prayer. Father, thank you for your series. Thank you for your word. Father, you, even David said that your law is perfect, that it is the lamp unto his feet, It is a light into his path. And Father, we pray, and I pray, Father, that as we go to this series, may we see, Father, your love. And why, and why, and why did you give the Ten Commandments? So, Father, I pray, Father, for our people. Receive it in our hearts. Open our eyes. Receive it with our ears. In the name of Jesus, amen. So, for the sake of time, let's go jump in. So, this today would be week one. And for those of you, let's not even try to do it. I don't have $20 with me the last time I asked somebody to. uh, (laughs) I don't have $20 with me right now. But how many of you, just by a show of hands, have heard, at least have heard the Ten Commandments? Heard of it? Heard of it? Heard? Heard the Ten Commandments? It seems like almost everybody has heard of the Ten Commandments. How many of you at least know one of the Ten Commandments? How about two? How about three? Four? Five? Okay, above five? Good for you. Good for you. You guys know the Ten Commandments. Uh, I used to know what the Ten Commandments are. But we're going to go through it all over again. So the series is to really see the love of God through the giving of the Ten Commandments. So week one is the very first commandment. Go ahead and show that, please. Exodus chapter 20, verse 1 to 3. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall have no other gods before me. I just told you that this series will show you the perfect love of God. But yet we begin right off by saying, you shall. Church, that is a command. That's why they call it the Ten Commandments. Commands are demands. 
How can it be a motiv- how can it be out of love when the commandment seems to be a demand? And why does it seem to be a command? See, the commandment was given on the uh, uh, on the 50th day after they left Egypt. It was given at Mount Sinai. So for us to understand, why is it? Why does it seem like? And I, I believe I can even ask you before you even when when you were before you were a believer. Did it seem like the Ten Commandments is so demanding? Did it seem like that, oh man, every time you hear of the Ten Commandments, it already makes you feel condemned? Did it feel that way? Yes, I can see nodding. So yes, it does. Right there, you shall not have no other gods before me. Can you imagine if you were a visitor today and you see me telling you that? I wonder if you're just going to walk out. Let's see if somebody's going to walk out. Okay, nobody walked out, so we're good. Okay? You shall have no other gods before me. So in order, I believe, in order for us to really see the love of God, is to really to look back and to see the points. This is point number one. I'm going to jump right in. The commands were motivated by his love for his people. This is not just a truth for this message. This really is, this really is an eternal truth. This is really a truth for every message that we will ever speak. Everything that God allows to happen in our lives, everything that God does for our life is always motivated by His love because He is love. In the book of Romans, it tells us that everything worked for the good of those who love Him according to the ones who are called. Isn't it not? Everything works for our good. Even in discipline and chastening, in Hebrews it says that who does not chasten the son that he loves? Even disciplining and chastening is done with the motivation of love. So it's the same thing. When God gave the commandments, it was out of a motivation for his love to his people. But then again, the question remains, then why does it seem like it's so demanding? Why does it seem like it's so, it is a commanding? Well, I believe to understand that, let's go back a few verses in Exodus chapter 19, verse 4 to 6, I'm going to try to show you what I just got out yesterday. I had a difficulty with this message, and I was so surprised when I finally got something out of it. It kind of blew my mind, in fact. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. This is a few days before God spoke to the whole congregation, and the whole congregation heard the voice of God and heard the Ten Commandments. So this is a few days, three days really. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel." This is what God told Moses to tell the people. And the people responded like this. Then all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. So Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. At first glance, it sounds so good. It sounds so moral. It sounds so righteous. Wouldn't you be? If you were God and you tell people, do this, if you follow me, obey me, and, keep my, and if you keep my commandment, then you will be this. And they all answered by saying, Everything that the Lord has spoken, 
we will do. But then, if you look back a little verses down, God responded differently. This is how God responded. So he told Moses, in three days, sanctify yourself, consecrate yourself. And then he told him, you shall set bounds for the people all around, saying, take heed to yourselves that you, not go, that you do not go up to the mountain or touch its base. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. How can God react this way when the people responded by saying, Everything that the Lord said, we will do. In English, it sounds so moral and righteous. But if you were to hear it in its original Hebrew form or Hebrew uh, uh, language, it was a little bit different. In fact, it goes like, Kol asher dibar Yahweh na'aseh. Na'aseh, that's what they said. Because it was really an answer that was not moral. Let me show you. Go back to, I will show you what kind of people God was dealing with. In Deuteronomy, please, the next verse. This is Moses. Deuteronomy now is 38 years later after that event, okay? Bear with me with the times and the names and the changes because it's kind of, uh, it might be a little confusing. So Deuteronomy chapter 9, uh, 6 to 8, Moses was about to die. So this is what he says. Therefore, understand that the Lord your God is not giving you this good land to possess because of your righteousness. For you are a stiff-necked people. Israel was a stiff-necked people. You know what a stiff-necked people are? They're haughty people. They're stubborn people. Haughty people are proud. They have this superior arrogance in them. That's how they are. They have no respect. They lack no respect. And that's what they are. They were stiff-necked people. In fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 31, Moses even went on to say, I know that you are a rebellious people. You've rebelled against God when I'm alive. What more when I am dead? That's how, that's how Moses was telling these people. So this is the type of people that God was dealing with. And so, here's one more example. If you would, uh, I don't have it with me, I'll just read it. In Exodus chapter 16, a few days after the Lord brought them out of Egypt. Now remember, Egypt, they were in Egypt as slaves for more than 400 years. Or take or so, 400 years. They were under slavery. They were being mistreated by, by the Egyptians. And finally, when they came out of Egypt, what did they do the first few days they were in the wilderness? This is what they did. Exodus chapter 16. Then the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the, post of, by the pots of meat and when we ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. After 400 years of being enslaved, finally they're out. And the first thing they say, oh, we're hungry. It would have been better off if God has killed us in Egypt. But we were full than to come out here in the wilderness and die of hunger. That's how contemptuous these people are. 
They had no respect for God. After being enslaved for more than for centuries, finally they were able to come out. And the first thing they said was, Lord, it would have been better that we die in Egypt while we were full. Because you took us out here and we're hungry. And then you're going to kill us. But how did God respond in this, in this uh, passage? It's surprising that what God, how God responded was this. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. God gave them the manna. In their contemptuous heart, God still gave them the manna. Gave them food to eat, gave them the quails. And then down further, this is what uh, Moses told uh, Aaron. Say to the congregation of the children of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he has heard your complaint. A complaint that the children said, Oh God, why didn't you just kill me in Egypt? At least I am full in Egypt. Why kill me here in the wilderness when I have no food? But God said, Come near to me, for I have heard your complaint. Now jump back to Exodus, how they responded to God. 19 verse 8. Then all the people answered together, said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. So Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. See, church, it was not really an answer of righteousness. It was really an answer of arrogance. They were so arrogant that they told God, No, let us do it. We can do it. Give us something, tell us what to do, and we can do it. See, uh, go back to verse 4 and 6, and let's get deeper a little bit here. You have seen what I have did in the Egyptians to the Egyptians and how I bore you an eagle's wing and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant. So why was God so upset with them? It has to do with what God was offering them. How many of you have taken out people to lunch? I took somebody out to lunch. I said, I'm willing to pay for your lunch. I think it was his or her birthday. I don't want to say who it was. So, we, so I said, go ahead, order whatever you want. Uh, that person comes back to me and said, I want this, but it's too expensive. I'm willing to pay for your lunch. But the person didn't want to get the most expensive one in the menu. I said, I'm willing to pay for your lunch. Take whatever you want. So what do you do in cases like that? What do you do when you're giving a gift to someone, but yet, instead of receiving the gift, they say, you know what? No, no, no. No, it's okay. It's okay. Oh, you shouldn't have... Oh, no, you shouldn't. Oh, that's too much. At least that's some sort of false humility. Okay? But Israel was no way, in that case, a false humility. It was totally contemptuous and arrogant. God was really offering them the extension of a covenant that he made with their forefathers, Abraham. You still with me? So how is all of this motivated by love how is all of this motivated how did the commandments be motivated by love well it has to do with the covenant the covenant that god gave to abraham which you find in genesis chapter 12 goes leave your country abraham leave your household leave your father's house go to the land that i will show you for i will bless you i will make you into a great nation you would be a blessing. Those that bless you would be blessed. Those that curse you would be cursed. And the last one is that, 
And through you, Abraham, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Church, all the family. Are you part of that, all the family of the earth? See, church, that covenant involves you and me. The covenant that God made with Abraham involves you and me. A blessing that would reach us, the church, the new believers. And when God extended it to the nation of Israel while they were in the desert, what they said was, Kol asher dibar, kol asher dibar. Everything that you say, Lord, na ase, we will do. Really what they're saying, no, give us something to do and we will do it. Say something, Lord, and we will do it. So it was really out of arrogance that they answered God. And that brought forth the commandments. In their arrogance, God said, I will test you, I will humble you. See, one of the things about the commandment is that it was used, the purpose, in, the, in surface deep water, the commandments, which I believe everybody would agree, is really a standard of morality. Would you not agree? Who would not agree to do not murder? Do not kill? Same, right? I thought you were listening. Do not murder, do not kill, do not steal. Who would not agree with that? If it's done to you, would you not say, yes, that is wrong? Do not steal. When it's done to you, wouldn't you agree? It really is. If you look at the commandments, it is a, moral, it is an, a standard of morality. Another purpose for it is that it serves like a mirror. Ever looked at it in the mirror in the morning? Probably some of you should do it more, right? No, 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 I'm just joking. <laughs> when you look at the mirror, look at the mirror, and when you look at the mirror, you don't like the reflection that's on the mirror, don't blame the mirror. <laughs> okay? When you look at the mirror and you don't like the reflection that's showing in the mirror, don't blame the mirror. The mirror is only reflecting what's in front of it. And that's one of the purpose, that was the design that God gave the commandments for. To show how evil the heart of Israel was. To show how much arrogance they have. See, one thing about the law is it is so perfect. Like what we said, it is a perfect law. It is so perfect that what you cannot do with it is get that mirror and fix your face. Okay? If you see that there's something wrong in the reflection of the mirror, you cannot take that same mirror and use it to fix your face. No, that's not the purpose of the mirror. It shows you, but it would leave you hanging. It would always allow you to, to say, oh, I, look, I don't look that good in the mirror. Amen? In Galatians chapter 3, verse 8, this is what it says, and it's still talking about the covenant. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, Preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you, all the nations will be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed with the believing Abraham. Just like what I said earlier, that covenant promise that God gave to Abraham will affect us. In fact, it is already affecting us. We are a church under that covenant. So why and why again did God give the commandments? Because the heart of Israel was not ready for this type of covenant. So that's why Galatians chapter 3 verse 19 says this, What purpose then does the law serve? 
it was added. It was added to the covenant that was pre-existing that God said, if you obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you should surely be a special treasure in my heart, a kingdom of priests, and a holy nation. It was added because of the transgression of Israel, because of their haughtiness, until when? Till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. See, church, at, for, at, if you look at the, the, the commandments, like what I said, you would always see it at surface deep water to be demanding. But really, in the big picture, it is out. It was purposed so that what God has promised to Abraham will be fulfilled all the way to its very end. The word there is still, till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. Which brings me to point number two. The commands were given as a guardian. The commands were given as a guardian. See, without the commandments, Israel would have destroyed itself. One of the worst times in the history of Israel is the book of Judges. In the end of the book of Judges, it says that, For there was no king in the land, and each one did according to what was right in his own eyes. Worst time in the time of Israel. Worst time in the history of Israel. Israel was so stiff-necked that they were about to destroy their own self. They came to a point where they were already killing their own tribesmen. They were killing one another. The, 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 the commandments, part of the way the commandments was designed by God was that along with the commandments come the judgment or the statutes, the judgment. Probably you've heard us speak of Deuteronomy chapter 28 and Leviticus chapter 26. When you read through these chapters and through this book, you will notice that it is very conditional. It's conditional to the point that if you can keep and obey the commandments, then God will keep you blessed. But the moment that you break the commandments that he gave you, you will be cursed. And if you look closely at those two books, uh, Leviticus chapter 26 and Deuteronomy chapter 28, you would notice one thing, that the list of blessings is shorter than the list of cursing. The list of blessing is shorter than the list of the cursing. Why is that? Because when we are blessed, it's easy to realize we are blessed. We're always happy when we are blessed. But when things go bad, we go back and realize, and we go back and say, what is it? So in the context of the Israelites, of the people of Israelites, God designed it that there would be more specific, he's more specific on the curses so that whenever the people disobey, whenever the people bear off from the commandments of God, they would realize there is something wrong that I am doing. There is something that I am breaking in the commandments. So it always allows them to check and to go back and to realize, oh, I have, de- I have gone off from the commandments of the Lord. So that's how it served them as a guardian. It was... So I just I read earlier that what purpose then the law served it was added because of transgression. Then verse 23 it tells us that but before faith came we were kept under guard 
by, is it there? But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterwards be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor, our teacher, to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under the tutor. See, church, the love of God, when he first made a covenant with Abraham, in his foreknowledge and in his all-knowingness, he knows that it would affect us. But when he came to the part of Israel, he also knows that Israel needs a guardian. He also knows that Israel was not ready to receive the seed. That's why in Galatians 4, chapter 4, it also says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. So the commandments was given to the nation to really, this is really what I believe that, God, uh, that I got from the Lord yesterday. Though in surface deep water, when you look at the commandments in a close-up, uh, close you see it as a standard of morality, and yes, it is. When the, when after Christ came and the, and the Bible was published, the Ten Commandments has been used as a, a system of judgment all around the world. They have adopted the Ten Commandments as, as, their, as, the, as the laws of their own land. That's how beneficial it is. But for Israel, for rather, for, but when God gave Abraham the covenant, it is intended to reach all of us. But when Israel, or that uh, verse in chapter 20 came into the picture, when God offered it to Israel, Israel was not ready. So therefore, what God did was that God gave them a guardian. God gave them a tutor, which is in the form of the commandments. Why? It's to preserve the time until the coming of Jesus Christ. That's what it says. It was added because of transgression till the seed shall come to whom the promise was made. And then, but after faith has come, we are no longer need a tutor. So it was purposeful for that time to preserve the genealogy of Israel. It's almost this way. What was um, what movie was that that my wife was saying? Terminator. How many of you have watched Terminator? John Connor? John Connor? You guys don't know who John Connor is? He's the third man in the book of John? No. John Connor in the movie Terminator? He was supposed to be the one to make a, or that he would be the one to lead the rebellion against the machine. So, Terminator after Terminator after Terminator. I think Arnold Schwarzenegger was revived five times in that movie. Terminator after Terminator after Terminator was sent to kill him, but to no avail. In what we have just read, or what we have just, uh, what I've been just telling you is that it is the opposite effect. God needed to preserve Israel in order that from the time God gave the, the covenant to Abraham all the way down to the coming of the seed of Jesus Christ, Israel needs to be preserved. No terminator was able to come and kill him, basically. And church, that is, I believe, why God gave us the commandments. Now, that last, pas that last passage, that's, uh, the last scripture, it says, But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. Now, there's been many 
discussions about this. So are you saying then that because we are now of the faith, we no longer need the commandments? That we can now break the commandments? In no means I am saying that. In fact, how can the triunity of God contradict each other? Why do you say that? The Ten Commandments was given by God the Father. When we say we are of faith, that means we already have received the work that Jesus Christ has done. So if you are of faith, that means you may not have a tutor now, but what you have is a teacher, a comforter, the spirit of truth. What else do we call the Holy Spirit? The helper. How can the God the Father who gave the Ten Commandments and now as new, new covenant believers who are under the Holy Spirit contradict the Ten Commandments? The triunity of God, as we have just learned from our foundation from victory, are co-equal. They're co-powerful. The whole point that they're called the Trinity is their three and their unity. Three person in unity. God the Father, God the Son will never contradict each other. So for those of you who might have thought that, oh, aren't we not under the grace of God through Jesus Christ? So that means we don't need the commandments anymore. We can break the commandments. That is a teaching not from the church. That is not a teaching from the Bible. Because God the Father will never contradict God the Holy Spirit. In fact, because you are now with the Holy Spirit, now that you have the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the one that teaches you. He's the one that guides you. He's the one that leads you. It says that in the book of John, it is the Holy Spirit that reminds us of all that Jesus had taught us. Jesus never said anything that he did not hear from the Father. Jesus did not do anything that he did not see, the, that he did not see from the Father. So how can the Holy Spirit contradict the very commandments that we are talking about today. Amen? Let us close. Can you show that first picture? This is a picture of a, a plower. See, at surface deep, this is sometimes how we see the commandments. Just that. Purpose, morality. Purpose, mirror. Purpose to rid of evil, to get us back to following God. But if you stand back, if you stand back, show, now show the next picture. That's what that is. That is a tree. That is a flower from my backyard, a tree. In the, in the bigger picture, when you stand back, God gave the commandments, really, to summarize all of this, is to preserve Israel from killing itself so that the promise of Jesus Christ can reach us. And that's why it is motivated by love because God was thinking of you and me when he gave Israel the commandments because they were not ready for it. Amen? Amen. Amen. One more verse, Joshua chapter... Elmore? Now, one thing that never have changed, whether it's the Old Testament or the New Testament, whether you have uh, heard a teaching of the law or the grace, is this. That God is still the God, and He still takes supreme. Okay? In the book of Joshua, this is what He, had, he told the children of Israel. Now, therefore, fear the Lord, serve Him in sincerity and in truth. 
and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose. Church, we are always, God is always about choice. You can choose. Adam was given a choice. The consistency of God that giving, giving us a choice. When Adam was in a perfect place, God still had to give him a choice. Now Joshua was in the same place. He told the people, Choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorite. And that is the first commandment that, we, that I was supposed to talk about. That there shall be no other gods before me. And Joshua told the people, Look, we're entering the, we are now here, but choose for yourself today who are you going to serve. Church, the same question every Sunday is laid out in front of us. If you are here today and you have not made that choice whether to serve God, God is always giving people a choice. Now, if you could just close your eyes and just bow our heads, I just want to take this opportunity. As you have heard, God is always about choice. Joshua himself said, choose for yourself today who you're going to serve. Will you serve God or will you serve the gods of your old father? And if you're here today and you want that opportunity to receive and to allow God to be your God, I want to pray with you. So while everybody's eyes are closed, everybody's heads are bowed, if that's you today, I want to I I pray for you. But I also want to know who I'm going to be praying with. So if you can just look up and raise your hand, then I'll know that that's you. Anybody here? I see that hand. Anybody else? Okay, let's pray. Everybody else can pray along. Father, thank you that in you is the fullness of life. And Father, I receive what your son did. And thank you for a new life. I receive you as my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Amen. One more time. Let's just, as we dismiss, I'll just... uh, I just pray for everybody. Father, thank you for today. And Father, I just pray, Father, for this series. I pray that as we, as we continue this series, Father, I pray that you would be able to, to open our eyes and to see that everything that you do in our lives is motivated by your love. So, Father, as we exit today and as we end this service, I pray that you would bless us and keep us in Jesus' name. Amen.